Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Exodus chapters 19 through 21 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org slash plan. Exodus chapter 19, Introduction In this chapter, the Israelites finally encamp at the base of Mount Sinai, where Yahweh will deliver to them the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses. But certain preparations must be made before the revelation at Sinai. While the children of Israel may have been impressed by the spectacular miracles wrought by Yahweh in Egypt and in the wilderness of Sinai, they did not fully respect Yahweh's authority as God over all creation. To inspire faithful obedience to this law, the angel of Yahweh intends to create an aura of terror, reminding the Israelites of his utterly alien otherness, and making sure they fully understand his ability to punish as well as to protect. This chapter includes Israel at Mount Sinai. Yahweh visits Sinai. Exodus chapter 19. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai, they encamped in the wilderness, and there Israel encamped before the mountain. Moses went up to God, and Yahweh called to him out of the mountain, saying, This is what you shall tell the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession from among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Moses came and called for the elders of the people and set before them all these words which Yahweh commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that Yahweh has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to Yahweh. Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. Moses told the words of the people to Yahweh. Yahweh said to Moses, Go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, Yahweh will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. You shall set bounds to the people all around, saying, be careful that you don't go up onto the mountain or touch its border. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. 
whether it is animal or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come up to the mountain. Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be ready by the third day. Don't have sexual relations with a woman. On the third day, when it was morning, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of an exceedingly loud trumpet. And all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the lower part of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai smoked because Yahweh descended on it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by a voice. Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. Yahweh called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Yahweh said to Moses, Go down, warn the people, lest they break through to Yahweh to gaze, and many of them perish. Let the priests also who come near to Yahweh sanctify themselves, lest Yahweh break out on them. Moses said to Yahweh, The people can't come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and sanctify it. Yahweh said to him, Go down. You shall bring Aaron up with you, but don't let the priests and the people break through to come up to Yahweh, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. By designating a sacred space around Mount Sinai, which the people of Israel could not breach on pain of death, Yahweh introduced a separation between that which is holy and that which is profane. This was necessary because people have a natural tendency to show contempt for that which is familiar a trait which we saw on full display back in Genesis 32 when Jacob physically assaulted Yahweh, earning himself the nickname Israel, meaning he shall wrestle with God. Ever since that incident, Yahweh had been careful to dress himself with frightening appearance whenever revealing himself in public. In Job 38.1, Then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind. And here in Exodus 19.9, Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. And then, continuing, on the third day, when it was morning, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of an exceedingly loud trumpet. And all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the lower part of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai smoked, because Yahweh descended on it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by a voice. 
The revelation at Sinai marks a turning point in the people's relationship with God, because it's here that modern notions of monotheism really began, which included belief in an all-powerful, all-knowing, invisible, disembodied God. This perception did not come about by accident. It was by design. Exodus chapter 20, Introduction We now have Yahweh's revelation of the Ten Commandments, a set of foundational moral laws which would govern the Israelites' relationship with God and with one another. These commandments are seen as essential to building a just society and promoting the well-being of all individuals. The Ten Commandments, though brief in their wording, are considered to be the foundation of the Law of Moses and are still studied and observed by many religious and ethical traditions today. You will notice that these laws begin with Yahweh himself at the very center and flow out from this God-centered core to the family unit, then to the rest of society. This chapter includes the Ten Commandments. Moses comforts the people. Idolatry forbidden, the altar of sacrifice. Exodus chapter 20 God spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol nor any image of anything that is in the heavens above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow yourself down to them, nor serve them. For I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and on the fourth generation of those who hate me, and showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. You shall not do any work in it, you nor your son nor your daughter, your male servant nor your female servant, nor your livestock, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. All the people perceived the thunderings, the lightnings, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stayed at a distance. They said to Moses, Speak with us yourself and we will listen, but don't let God speak with us. 
lest we die. Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, that you won't sin. The people stayed at a distance, and Moses came near to the thick darkness where God was. Yahweh said to Moses, This is what you shall tell the children of Israel. You yourselves have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall most certainly not make gods of silver or gods of gold for yourselves to be alongside me. You shall make an altar of earth for me and shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your cattle. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of cut stones. For if you lift up your tool on it, you have polluted it. You shall not go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed to it. There is obviously a great deal of material to discuss in this compact summary of cosmic law, but in the interests of time, I'll only offer a brief commentary. I encourage you to learn these laws, meditate upon them, and obey them to the best of your ability, because by knowing God's law, you can come to know God himself. In the Exodus narrative, Yahweh distinguishes himself from all other gods by demonstrating that he is capable of intervening in history and of creating a narrative centered around his authority and his agenda. The children of Israel had no trouble whatsoever believing in the existence of God because three short months ago they lived as slaves of the Egyptians and now they lived as a liberated people out in the wilderness of Sinai. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Yahweh continues, you shall have no other gods before me. Was Yahweh acknowledging the existence of other beings like himself who would compete with him for the devotion and faithfulness of his people? It seems the answer would be yes, but those other gods had a limited window of dominion before they would become extinct. Psalm 82 states in verse 6, I said you are gods. All of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you shall die like men and fall like one of the rulers. Next, we have laws prohibiting idol worship, which might seem antiquated to a modern audience, but really, these were about not confusing Yahweh with anything that isn't Yahweh. If there is any authority on earth which you are willing to obey over Yahweh, then you are guilty of idolatry. Moreover, this prohibition against idol worship is a prohibition against superstition. Objects can never contain spiritual power. All power in creation flows from the mind, and the mind flows from God. You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God. Anyone who professes to follow the God of the Bible acts as a representative of Yahweh's name here on earth. Anything you say or do in his name, which brings disgrace upon him, 
is considered to be taking the Lord's name in vain and is a serious sin. God does not take lightly anyone who misrepresents his values. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath observant reminded the Israelites that they were no longer slaves to Egypt because slaves do not have the luxury of taking one day of rest per week. It is also worth noting that the entire civilized world currently observes this seven-day cycle of work and rest, whose origins can only be traced to the God of Israel. After the first four God-centered commandments, the remaining six focus on moral responsibility toward the community, enshrining family, safety, and private property as the fundamental rights from which a free society can grow and flourish. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. This last commandment, you shall not covet, is noteworthy because it is the only law which is totally unenforceable, since no one could know for sure if you wanted something which did not belong to you besides yourself and God. But for the same reason, this commandment might be the most important of the whole list, because it is from this one sin that all other sins grow. And this commandment makes clear that it is the condition of your heart which determines how God will ultimately judge you. If Yahweh wanted to shock the children of Israel into obedience, it would seem he succeeded. Verse 18 reads, All the people perceived the thunderings, the lightnings, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stayed at a distance. They said to Moses, Speak with us yourself and we will listen, but don't let God speak with us lest we die. Yahweh then goes back to the issue of idolatry, which is a cardinal sin in the Old Testament. You shall most certainly not make gods of silver or gods of gold for yourselves to be alongside me. He then goes on. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of cut stones. For if you lift up your tool on it, you have polluted it. The Bible never explains why cut stones are forbidden for Yahweh's altars, but I believe it's to restrain the temptation to build secret compartments and hidden passageways which an unscrupulous priesthood could use to fool believers into thinking that the altar had magical properties. Religion has always been one of the greatest sources of systematic fraud in mankind's history and Yahweh did not want his name to be associated with any false religious practices. Exodus chapter 21, Introduction Exodus 21 is a continuation of the legal code given by Yahweh to Moses on Mount Sinai following the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. After delivering the Ten Commandments, Yahweh called Moses to approach him in the cloud. The people stayed at a distance, and Moses came near to the thick darkness where God was. What follows is a series of pronouncements from Yahweh which extends for several chapters. In this chapter, Yahweh establishes case law 
which provides a framework for justice and social order in ancient Israel. These laws cover a variety of topics, including the treatment of slaves, restitution for theft and damages, and penalties for assault and murder. While some of the laws may seem harsh or antiquated to a modern audience, they were intended to protect the vulnerable and maintain social stability in a time when there was no formal legal system. The laws in Exodus 21 reveal Yahweh's concern for justice and equality, and provide insight into the values and social norms of ancient Israelite society. This chapter includes laws for servants, personal injury laws, laws about restitution. Exodus chapter 21. Now these are the ordinances which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free without paying anything. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he is married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. If a man sells his daughter to be a female servant, she shall not go out as the male servants do. If she doesn't please her master, who has married her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people, since he has dealt deceitfully with her. If he marries her to his son, he shall deal with her as a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marital rights. If he doesn't do these three things for her, she may go free without paying any money. One who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death but not if it's unintentional, but God allows it to happen. Then I will appoint you to a place where he shall flee. If a man schemes and comes presumptuously on his neighbor to kill him, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Anyone who attacks his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Anyone who kidnaps someone and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. Anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men quarrel, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and he doesn't die, but is confined to bed, if he rises again and walks around with his staff, then he who struck him shall be cleared. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for his healing until he is thoroughly healed. If a man strikes his servant or his maid with a rod and he dies under his hand, the man shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if his servant gets up after a day or two, he shall not be punished, for the servant is his property. If men fight and hurt a pregnant woman so that she gives birth prematurely, and yet no harm follows, 
He shall surely be fined as much as the woman's husband demands and the judges allow. But if any harm follows, then you must take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. If a man strikes his servant's eye or his maid's eye and destroys it, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. If he strikes out his male servant's tooth or his female servant's tooth, he shall let the servant go free for his tooth's sake. If a bull gores a man or a woman to death, the bull shall surely be stoned and its meat shall not be eaten. But the owner of the bull shall not be held responsible. But if the bull had a habit of goring in the past, and this has been testified to its owner, and he has not kept it in, but it has killed a man or a woman, the bull shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed. Whether it has gored a son or has gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the bull gores a male servant or a female servant, thirty shekels of silver shall be given to their master, and the ox shall be stoned. If the man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and doesn't cover it, and a bull or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead animal shall be his. If one man's bull injures another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live bull and divide its price, and they shall also divide the dead animal. Or if it is known that the bull was in the habit of goring in the past, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall surely pay bull for bull, and the dead animal shall be his own." Modern audiences will rightly recoil when reading laws regarding the rights of slaves and slave owners, but keep in mind that Biblical Hebrew uses the same word for both slave and servant. Almost all references to slavery in the law refer to arrangements of indentured servitude, where someone would voluntarily sell their services in exchange for room and board, or be obligated to serve another to pay off a debt or as restitution for criminal activity. The form of chattel slavery practiced in the United States before the Civil War, where people were kidnapped, separated from their families, and then sold as property to others, was strictly forbidden by the Torah. Verse 16 reads, Anyone who kidnaps someone and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. Obviously, life was very different in the ancient Near East than it is today, and we enjoy many freedoms today which would have been unthinkable in the minds of Moses and his followers. Is it reasonable to imagine that Yahweh would establish his framework of law within the context of ancient Near Eastern culture, even if he knew such culture would eventually become a thing of the past? I think it is reasonable. And if we allow our imagination to take us back in time to this moment in history, it should become clear that Torah represented a great leap forward in the moral progression of the Israelite people, 
since this document guaranteed certain rights for those who previously had none. Let us pray. From Psalm 119, Meditation on the Letter, Mim. How I love your law! It is my meditation all day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for your commandments are always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have kept your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil way, that I might observe your word. I have not turned away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your promises to my taste, more than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates. And join us for our next episode where we will be reading Exodus chapters 22 to 24, the covenant sealed. All the words which Yahweh has spoken will we do. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.